From RTE News, welcome to Core Values. After another year that has changed how we live, this is the show that takes a look at what we really value. I'll speak to people in Irish public life about what parts of their lives are now most important. When you come in contact with a near miss, don't want to get teary-eyed here, but you know, you start thinking, I have an unfinished business and give me time to finish my business. My guest today is the managing director of Glenisk, Vincent Cleary. The largest organic yogurt maker in the state, Glenisk suffered a devastating fire at its plant in Offaly earlier this year. It took products off the shelves for months. In this episode, Vincent explains that rebuilding the company will be his life's work. Vincent, how am I finding you today? Uh, it's Monday morning. I'm in good stead insofar as uh, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> in, and I, I can tell you more about that later. But yeah, I, I wake up uh, every morning full of life in many respects. And in fact, I, I had to Google over the weekend. I think I'm suffering from insomnia. I have no problem going to sleep. Staying asleep seems to be my problem. So apparently there's something called middle of the night insomnia. So I must look into that further. I tend to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and my, my mind starts uh, saying time to get up. Oh, you poor thing. There's nothing worse than that. And have you ever had that before or is that just... I, I've had it. it yeah, it's, it's something I've had probably for the last year, but I had a health scare during the late summer. I'm not quite sure whether it's the medication I'm on now since then or, or what, I'm not quite sure. Yes, I heard about your health scare. Will you tell us what happened during the summer? Yeah, um, well, I mean, we were taking our staycation and uh, my my German-born wife uh, was always complaining that she's been in Ireland, um, I, I think it's over 25 years, and she has yet to see the cliffs of Moor. Mm -hmm. So uh, we decided to go to West Clare and we booked into a lovely hotel in, uh, um, in, in Doolin. And uh, we arrived on a f Friday night and then Saturday morning, uh, woke up bright and early. Uh, we had our daughter and her friend with us for the week. Uh, that was the plan. Uh, we, we went, got up bright and early uh, to seek out activities for the girls, as it were, for Saturday morning. And I felt a little unwell, didn't think it was anything bad. Lightheadedness more so than anything else. And my wife said, I'll phone an ambulance. And I said, no, 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 no need to phone an ambulance. I said, it, this, this will pass. And if it doesn't, I said, I'll, I'll look for a GP in the afternoon, yeah, which I guess is a typical male statement that mm -hmm. nobody wanted um, to be fussed about, as it were. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the phone wouldn't work in the hotel room. So she, I think, ran down to the reception. As it turned out, there was a ambulance station in Ennis-Diamond, uh, 15 minutes away from, from where we were staying. But in that 15 minutes while they were coming, I could feel myself progressively getting worse. So uh, they came. Um, John McAuley uh, was the chief paramedic. Um, great man. Uh, I remember him forever. They uh, put me on board, had a discussion and said, yeah, um, you haven't had a heart attack, but it's a distinct possibility at this stage. So we started off on the journey on the twisty roads of uh, West Clare. I was, I was still conscious chatting with John, but anyway, apparently um, he turned to his driver outside Bunratty Castle and he said he turned back and I was having my heart attack, uh, cardiac arrest. 
I was unaware of this obviously this is all uh, afterwards he was telling me I felt nothing I just it was like just falling asleep John was telling me afterwards he shocked me that didn't bring me to so he got up physically on my chest and started giving me CPR for two and a half minutes eventually they got me into Limerick Regional Hospital and there must have been about 10 to 15 people waiting for me in the operating theatre but they had to shock me an, an extra five times because I kept having attack after attack after attack. Um, uh, there was a m massive blockage in my artery. Uh, they cleared it and stented it. And I was up in the room, sitting up in my bed um, three hours later, you know, having a late breakfast. Wow. So that was the 10th of July. So yeah, that started, that was the start of my summer. When I was relaying the story to somebody afterwards, they were saying, let me guess, your wife has still yet to see the cliffs of Moore. And I said, exactly. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, here's hoping she gets a chance to see them sometime soon. But I mean, what does what does an experience like that teach? Like, how, how do you feel after an experience like that? I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't, well, sorry, I won't say I don't know. Of course, I mean, I wake up every morning with a smile on my face that I survived the night. There's a confidence thing, apparently, that after you have a heart attack, you, you rebuild, you know. So Vincent, with all that in mind, what do you value today? life is important we're all transient we're here for a period of time so i i i won't say i mean i've become a deep a deep thinker or or even philosophical but i guess um my event probably told me that whatever i was doing before i need to do it faster so you know i guess when when you come in contact with uh, a near miss shall we say don't want to get teary-eyed here but you know you start thinking i have unfinished business and give me time to finish my business yeah of course i mean it's only natural that you would that you would think that and then when you see what you've been through yourself as a company this year then i mean how do, how do those two things match up in your head i i, I didn't make i haven't made a connection you know, I was explaining to my now 14-year-old, she was 13 at the time, I said, um, life will throw these curveballs at you. You roll with the punches, you deal with what's in front of you, and you don't dwell on it. So I try not to dwell on my misfortune and tend to look on the cheery side is probably wrong, but definitely I look for silver linings, you know, like I survived my near miss. So that's something to be cheerful about. Nobody got hurt in the fire in Glenisk. That's something to be cheerful about. You know, we can rebuild. Glenisk is 35 odd years old. And while we were building the company, of course, we made mistakes. And when people ask you, would you change anything? And you say, no, he wouldn't. You'd keep it as it were. You're probably not quite truthful. So yes, I will address some of our possible shortcomings in the past and some of the mistakes we made in in just in the design of the factory and the, the layout of the factory and the new factory that we're hoping to build in the coming 12 months you know we will do things better i'll give you an example emma who looks after our commercial and marketing department was asking me was there any way six months ago she was asking me could we eliminate plastic altogether from our product lineup and i said give me three years but now the fire has fast forwarded everything so when we restart hopefully just after christmas anything we do will have no plastic with it 
you know that that was the the opportunity for want of a better word that the the you know the clean slate that a fire brings to the table yeah wow i mean when you think about that as a you know as a catalyst for change it's actually quite profound isn't it it is and and sometimes and like it takes a crisis to bring the best out of um an individual or our society at large and it's probably the most catastrophic event that's ever occurred to Glenisk in the last 30 years the the four periphery walls are pretty much there but you can see in true where the roof has collapsed and it's just you know it was unrecognizable it was it didn't look like a factory anymore it looked like something you know after world war three realistically it'll take we we estimate about 16 months before we have the the new build complete so um so yeah we'll be working out of plan b for the next 12 to 16 months okay how is production well there we have our original milk cartoning line we could use to call it our milk bottling line uh, fortunately the wind was blowing the opposite direction the day of the fire so it was unskated that's how we've been able we were able to produce milk after a few days once we got electricity to the building um that was the original of the species uh where we my father would have started his uh, entrepreneurship he built Tullamore dairies in the late 70s early 80s and uh, that was to add value to his own farm's milk and uh, as we left school through the 80s we didn't do third level we went straight you know our education was the back of the milk bottling line mm-hmm. you know when people talk about chief bottle washer i was the actual bottle washer <laughs> so we, we would have learned the trade and then in the mid 80s he started to build a building that uh, initially was planned to make soft cheese but ended up we reverted to plan b because soft cheese didn't work for us um, and uh, glennis came into being yogurt was our plan b and we've been at it ever since uh, up until the fire and uh, we were set back in a number of decades by the fire, but we'll start again. We will grow very rapidly, I've no doubt, because uh, we have, shall we say, the formula in many respect. The learnings that we had over the last 30 years will take into the new Glenisk. And as it rises from the ashes, you know, it will be a better proposition than before the ashes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh- are you on track? Yeah, I was out in the factory this morning and talking to key personnel and uh, because we're all up against the clock on this because we've promised everybody that we will have some, Glenisk will be back on the shelf by the 1st of January. So we're back on track, yeah, so we should be okay. If there's one thing I've learned to expect is that trouble is ahead, whatever that may be. You sound like a very optimistic person, though, Vincent. Like when you say, "Oh, there's there's trouble ahead," I get the impression that. Um, would it be safe to say you don't mind that? Like you, you like that kind of challenge. Uh, yeah, I won't say I re- <laughs> re- revel in my misfortune, but you know, I'm I'm around long enough to know that uh, we survived the last recession and. Any company, uh, particularly in the food category, that survived and grew during, during the last recession will survive anything that comes their way. So we will survive this. Whereas I might have been feeling a bit sorry for myself for my health event 
earlier in the summer this was definitely the 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 cup of coffee you know to get me back focused and um, my my uh, cardiologist was saying to me he said somebody upstairs must have been looking out for you I, I was joking to people that I hadn't figured out what upstairs was uh, looking for me for and but since the fire I know that uh, you know, rebuilding Glenisk is going to be my statement I guess on, on life. Wow you, you believe this is your mission? Well I mean we have an opportunity to build a very modern, very environmentally friendly, carbon neutral factory and everything we will be doing. Um, I'm waiting on Elon Musk to help me fill the, our logistics challenge of getting all of our trucks carbon neutral. Uh, we've got uh, six of them outside that do our distribution and the sooner we can move them to electric. That's, that's the last piece of the jigsaw. I reckon we can fix everything else in our supply chain and the logistics we need external help and i believe that's where somebody like elon musk can step up to the plate there mm -hmm. and when you're saying that that it's the last piece of your supply chain that you need to address that you, is the rest of your supply chain completely carbon neutral no it will be okay. sorry our farmers and we're we've started a, a study on organic farming and we will prove i'm convinced that organic dairy farming is the best form of dairy farming uh, available to Irish agriculture will demonstrate that it's carbon neutral as well and if anything that it will be carbon negative insofar it, it will uh, absorb more carbon than it releases in in its entirety so once we're able to produce that that'll be the raw material packaging we've already done done that exercise the factory we believe our new opportunity of rebuilding we will have a carbon neutral factory so the last remaining part of the jigsaw will be the logistics mm -hmm. what is your most valued possession so this can be fun frivolous inanimate basically anything mm. goes my most valued possession has to be my tesla i test drove a tesla out in germany um I lived in Germany for a number of years, so I'm, very, I'm as comfortable in Germany as I am in Ireland. So back in the late 80s, early 90s, I, I lived out in Germany. I didn't necessarily see eye to eye with my father. We were perhaps two alike. And um, I went off to seek my fortune elsewhere. Uh, I admit I didn't make my fortune in Germany. I ended up coming, being invited back to Ireland by my father. So I made peace with my father. But I... I'm, I'm back in Germany regularly. That's my well. That's, that's where I go for my inspiration. I have a look at what's happening in Munich or Berlin and I say, you know, there's no reason why that shouldn't work in, in Dublin or Cork or Galway. And um, so invariably I come back and, and that's where I picked up my, my, my initial idea for switching Glenis to an organic uh, entity. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, so I was, I, I've, um, I saw a Tesla, I think it was 2014, they uh, started test drives for their Model S car in Germany. And I test drove them and I said, wow, this is the future. You know, that's my, my, my oh, sorry, I, I dare not say uh, if my wife ever hears that, that my car is the love of my life, but my Tesla, it was one of the proudest investments I bought because I had been waiting for a long time. When you speak about, you know, going to Germany for your ideas and coming home from Germany with the idea of organic farming, did did you come home 
when your when your when your father passed away and and go into organic or did you have to sell that to him? No, I got married out in Germany to my German wife, Kirsten, uh, and the R is silent. There's an R in there, but it's silent, and she's very fussy in how her name is pronounced. <laughs> but so I, I have to be careful how I pronounce that. But anyway, we got married in Germany, and she had never been to Ireland. I like to think I was the first Offaly man to physically go away on a honeymoon to Offaly. I'm a very proud Offaly man, and I was just dying to show her Offaly and Ireland. She fell in love with Offaly immediately. I introduced her to my father, uh, and uh, I think he fell in love with her too, mm. and um, he invited me back to Ireland. Now, up until then, our relationship was a bit in, in, in a family business, uh, it was a bit testing at times, probably for both of us. So um, I'd say I was um, probably not the easiest son to get along with, as he probably wasn't the easiest father to get along with. But anyway, so uh, he invited me back to the company fold. Now at that stage, there was three people employed. It was still a mom and pop operation. It had stagnated a little, and I worked with him for a year. And then he was at a, a GA match, the Leinster final. Offaly were playing Kilkenny in uh, 1995. And he had a heart attack at the uh, Leinster final. And he was brought over to the Matter Hospital and stayed there for three months. Had, a, I believe, a quadruple bypass. And uh, he was a heavy smoker all his life. Was released home, but uh, died a few days later. Just got another heart attack while sitting in his favourite armchair. Um, so we lost our, not only did we lose our father, but we lost our managing director. So um, we had no experience ourselves collectively at running the business. So we tried to run it as a committee initially. And um, within a year, Glenisk was about to go under. So we were given the opportunity to break away from his farm. He had three entities. He had the farm. He had the milk bottling plant, which was still profitable in those days. And Glenisk was the poor relation mm -hmm. of three entities. And uh, we broke away. Myself, my twin brother and a few other brothers joined us. And uh, yeah, one of the first things we did was to seek out organic milk because I convinced my siblings that we needed to differentiate ourselves from our competitors. And uh, we did so by going organic and it has served us well ever since. Another crazy backstory is while my father was uh, sick in hospital, uh, there's, there were so many of us, like he had 14 children. So we were taking turns to visit him up in the Matter Hospital. My turn was a particular hot July's day and um, I saw a donkey uh, tied up in the side of the road. And six weeks later, it was my turn again to go back up to the Matter Hospital and uh, the same donkey was in the same place and she had eaten all of the grass that she could have reached. We got home that evening and I rang the local guard station and he said, yeah, we're aware of it. And I said, well, if I took the donkey, um, would I be charged with theft? And he said, no. So we took the donkey, we collected the donkey and brought it to my back garden. And uh, she looked lonely in the garden. So I guess donkeys by their nature just look sad. I contacted a friend of mine that was involved in the, the leash SPCA and uh, I said, do you have anything to keep a donkey company? And she said, I've got two goats. 
Uh, so she sent me over the two female goats, as it turned out, and one of them arrived pregnant and then kitted down with two fine kids. And wearing my Glenis cat one day, I was up with Quinsworth, as they were still then. Um, the buyer of the day, uh, who's still a friend of mine, uh, caught me looking at my watch and he said, are you in a rush somewhere? And I said, so I started telling him about the two goats I have in the back garden. And I said, and told him that they had kitted down and this female goat was producing too much milk. And I had to go home every evening to relieve her of some of the milk. And I gave it to the, the dogs, the cats, whatever. And um, he said, can you get me goat's milk? And I said, give me a year. And he said, I'll give you six months. So we scoured Ireland looking for goats. And we amassed 200 goats. And we bought a few acres of land. We bought a mobile home that we put on the land. And we lived there for another seven years. Uh, the first two years, we had no electricity. So um, why... My German wife has remained loyal to me. It's probably a mystery in its own right, but uh, we stuck at it, and uh, that became another string to our bow, as it were. And uh, yes, so uh, that's how we got into goat's milk as well. It's some string to your bow, Vincent. Really, I mean, because you now account for a certain what, what proportion of the, of the goat's milk production in Ireland do you account for? Well, um, it, it must be in the 80s plus percent, I'm guessing. Um, Just like the timing of that question that he asked you, you know, can you get goat's milk? You know, and the the donkey, uh, it's just amazing how things kind of line up to be so fortunate. And, and, and you, you just hit it on the head there. Timing in anything we do is all important and critical. Like some ideas, I have no doubt that history is littered with good ideas that were before their time. Um, Vincent, so given the given the twelve months that you've had, what part of your life has lost value over that time period? That you know something that you would have deemed at the start of the year to be quite valuable has actually proven to be worth a lot less to you. Yeah, consumerism. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like I like a nice suit. I like uh, a relatively fresh car. I like the things that other people like. And I guess, okay, you know what, maybe I don't need to change the suit just yet. Maybe I can get another four years out of the car. Just the material things probably don't seem as um, pressing as as they did at the outset of the year. Others would argue I was never, you know, the best dressed man. (laughs) I probably never would have won. But, you know, I I, I do like a a, Mm -hmm. a crisp... uh, white shirt and a new suit but yeah uh, I guess some of that kind of material thing um, doesn't doesn't concern me as much as as um, as it did then I mean yeah given the experiences you've had throughout the year that I can completely see where you're coming from with that and by the same token um, what aspect of your life has gained value then time time has gained value my mortality or um, you know was brought home to me we all have a job to do uh, to leave the world and I, I know cliches aside and whatever but like we have a responsibility and we should you know in my case man up to my responsibility to leave the world for my daughter in a better place than I found it so yeah time time is precious t- to me anyway and I think it should be pre- precious to everybody as well uh, because I think uh, we we need to change some of our behaviours. 
whenever you're you're saying about leaving leaving the world a better place for your daughter, I mean, you've already started to do that in terms of your um, is it self help Africa? Yeah, it, it's another proud little achievement for us. I mean, I got invited by uh, self help Africa to visit what they were doing out in the Horn of Africa, and we visited Eritrea, uh, Ethiopia, and uh, Kenya. It turned out in we were amongst a few Europeans that actually got into Eritrea that year. But I could see how denuded the landscape was of trees. And uh, I was talking to Ray Jordan of South Help Africa. Uh, and so he, so he explained it to me as, when you have such poverty, he said, they view a tree as uh, fuel, first and foremost. So he said, they'll chop it down for wood for the fire uh, for their heating for their cooking mm. and so on so now he said they were learning he said they were of of their past mistakes and i said well perhaps there's something we can do there so we sat down with south help africa and we worked out the mechanics of it whereby you know for every five euros 10 trees are planted in africa and one tree is planted in ireland and what we were hoping to do in Ireland was reinstate the Glenisk wood. Like the name Glenisk comes from the woodlands on the family farm. But unfortunately, the woodlands had been long cleared to make way for before my family's time, three generations ago. So we were going to use this as an opportunity to replant the woodlands of Glenisk as well as do something for Africa. So it was born from that. Now, Basically, all our customers had to do was that when the product was on promotion was put it, their hands up, take a Glenisk pot. So it wouldn't cost them any more or any less than what they would normally pay. Mm -hmm. But for every pot sold, one euro was donated to Self-Help Africa. And that worked in year one. We were successful insofar as we planted the one million trees in Africa. It's taking a little longer in Ireland because of well-documented uh, bureaucracy issues with tree planting and uh, in Ireland but we're overcoming them and we're working with the Department of Agriculture and the trees are being planted as we speak we were to do it again this year and we were again running successfully until the fire hit on the 27th of September now we had reached I'm guessing about three quarters of our goal for the year we put a post on social media if our customers could see it in their hearts somehow to put some of the money, just even for one pot, towards South Africa for us to help fulfill that year's target. Um, now, as it transpires, we have not only filled it, but we've exceeded it. So definitely more than one million trees will be planted this year on behalf of our customers. So That's um, amazing. That's amazing. Something I'm very proud of, yes. Because... And you, you received many offers of, you, you received very kind offers of help after the fire um, from, yes. from people you knew, people you didn't know. Rather than take that yourself, you diverted them to Self-Help Africa. Is that right? Yes, yes. And uh, we had to send back a check. I'm not, I'm not very good at sending back checks to one, to one couple. Um, and we said, listen, we'd love to take your money, but we can't. But please, by all means, take back the check. And if if it's possible mm -hmm. to reissue it to self-help Africa, we'd be more than happy to, to work it that way. So uh, we received into thousands, thousands of euros um, for 
I'll give you an example. An elderly couple wrote me, and I choke up every time I tell the story, but the elderly couple said they didn't have much, but they wanted to send us a thousand euros for the rebuild. And I'm going, you know, please, God, you know, I mean, we have insurance. We've been paying, I've been complaining about the amount of money we've been paying for insurance for the last 10 years. But, you know, when we need it, in fairness to our insurance providers, they're there for us. But like these people didn't have much money to begin with and to be sending us money just, as I say, it chokes me out. Another person I met just barely, barely knew him. He wanted to send me 10,000 euros of his life savings for the rebuild. And I go, my God, you know, please, you know, you're killing me with kindness here. You know, so um, I didn't take his money. I said, if he could make a contribution to self-help Africa, that would be, you know, more than enough for us. Mm -hmm. So um, the goodwill was just... Uh, incredible humbling so Vincent when you when you speak about the growth of, of Glen Esk and what you have achieved over the last number of decades and you speak about you know that you didn't have the most you know you didn't have the, the greatest relationship with with your father but who would you credit your you know your development of a, a business acumen to uh, him I, I, I'm sorry my father I, I'd say he, he was my teacher in many respects. But having said that, my, I think it was seven years in Germany was my real education. I mean, I went to Germany and I couldn't string a sentence of German together. But I went to Munich thinking that that's where I would get employment. I was in my early to mid twenties and uh, and got a job. And But I remember going into the, the um, British embassy because the Irish consulate was closed that day and it was a Scottish woman and I asked her straight up do you know where a guy like me could get work in Munich her response was it stuck with me she said there'll always be work as long as the Germans want the top end of the jobs there'll always be jobs down in the bottom to be filled and I got a job down in the bottom echelons of society and, what and I was impressed that? the Germans what was that was job actually in, in the hotel industry it was basically a cleaner for all intents and purposes. I cleaned what I cleaned well, and I got promoted to bellboy, and then Wagenmeister, and that's the guy that gets to drive all the cars into the garage, and then I got pulled onto the, onto the reception desk, and I was a concierge, and then I was the reception manager, and then I think I, I had gone pretty much as far as a, a chap like me with limited German could go, and, um, and that's when I got married, and I made peace with my father, and I returned back to the family fold. So it was in a completely different field. It was in the hospitality industry. Yeah, so uh, that I, I would like to think uh, from a business management, uh, the Germans taught me a lot of things as well. So Absolutely. So Vincent, over the past year, has there been a part of your life that the an aspect of your life that has held its value despite or in light of the past year, that it's, it's retained its value, so to speak? Um, uh, up until the fire, I would probably be at a loss to answer that question. But since the fire, as, as, as I was saying earlier, I mean, I've, I've got one target, one goal in life now, and that's to rebuild Glenisk in its best possible incarnation. A couple of personal things in life that I just need to tidy up a bit. Uh, post operation post heart attack keeping up the exercise i'm i find myself i'm good for a week mm -hmm. i mean for me to get from one end end of the pool to, to the other is like a steamship 
but I exert so much energy in doing so that it's not it's not a pretty sight, but I do exert a lot of energy mm-hmm. getting from one end of the pool to the other. So Vincent, over the past year, who has been your most valuable player? So the person in your life who you valued most over the past year? Um, I'm surrounded by talented people. I, I was explaining to somebody, the morning after the fire, it really was like a, a death in the family. And um, although we're all on one WhatsApp group, and I sent out a message basically saying, you know, everybody stay home tomorrow, bar those that I call in. And so I had called in three or four, maybe five people. But over half the staff came in. And it really was like the aftermath of a funeral. The dedication that people bring to the table. So many. I mean, could I name one? I, I guess my wife, because she phoned the ambulance. So kept me here. So and and has, you know, she milked goats without electricity for two years. Uh, um, I won't say uncomplaining. She, she, she probably did complain a couple of times. But, and she has stuck by me through thick and thin. So and I, I've probably taken that for granted to a certain extent and so on try not to take that for granted but from Glenisk's perspective you know the people that in Glenisk the dedication they bring to the table is I I have yet to see its equal elsewhere I could list them but I could you know could list the whole 90 staff that are working for us uh, as the people that are near and dear and important to me the way you speak about them and also I'm sure the responsibility that you feel of having you know, 90 employees to think about. Was that always part of your personality, that awareness of of people around you and their, making sure they feel their worth? No, I'd say it, you know, I, I used to, I won't say I got teary eyed. I was always, sorry, blown away by the fact, like if I was filling the shelf, a hand would come over my shoulder and take a pot off and I'd turn around and male or female, young or old, I'd say thank you, but I was always amazed that of all the selection on the shelves, our product was good enough for them to put up their hands and take off the shelf. I still get a kick, or sorry, I did up until recently. I mean, I do shopping with my wife on the weekends, and and I'm always amazed if I'm at the checkout counter that the, the trolley in front of me or behind me has a couple of pots of Lenisk. And again, I keep going, my God, of the choice they had on the supermarket shelf, it felt that Glenisk was good enough to put in their trolley. So I'm flattered always by what people might think are small things, but they're a big thing to me. Vincent, we've reached the end of our chat. Um, so it's a good time to ask you, Vincent Cleary, what is your core value? What is my core value? I haven't quite figured that one out myself. Uh, I think decency. I'd like to think, I think the decency that was extended to me, I'd like to be able to, I would think I'm a decent person, but you know, I'm sure there's other saying that fecker, you know. But um, I'd like to think you give what you get, you know. So like, if if we can all be decent and and do the right thing as opposed to doing the thing for profitability, um, and I, again, I'm not on a crusade here insofar as that I I accept profit is important, and yes, we've had our good years and not so good years. But I'd like to think that that helps then with the reinvestment and then makes Glenis bigger and so on. So it's a, it has a positive snowball effect. But I think, yeah, decency is probably a key word. 
I think that I've I've been feeling both from our customers to us and from what I'd like to think I demonstrate to others as well. A huge thank you to Vincent for sharing his core values and thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate and review. Thank you.